the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. God has called us to impact our culture. Sleep in the light and be awake in the dark in this year. Welcome to Core Truth Radio, a radio ministry of Core Church Los Angeles with pastor and Bible teacher Steve Wilburn. Pastor Steve will be teaching the Word of God with truth right from the Bible. For more information, go to corechurchla.org. That's corechurchla.org. Now let's jump right in today's study in the book of Ephesians chapter 5. I entitled this message, Time to Wake Up. I think that's something that we do every day, isn't it? I I hope so, at least. You know, we all wake up. It's a way to start the day. And I hope you will be able to stay awake through this whole message here tonight. (laughs) No falling asleep on me. (laughs) But to wake up means to arouse from sleep. It's to be stirred. It's to get up from sleeping or napping. It's to start moving. It's getting on with the day, you could say. Yes, to wake up includes us getting up in getting out of bed. And for us as believers, it also includes us being open and willing to be used of God every day. Every day we wake up, we should be willing to be used of God. Most of us get up every day, obviously, and move on with our routines. Many of us get up and we go to work. Some have to go to school while others maybe are managing your home. But most people, including me, you know, fall into that same routine every single day. You know, I get up, I have my my bowl of cereal, I I sit uh, at my desk, I open my Bible, I have my Bible devotions, I read every morning, then that leads into the tasks of the day, which change every day with me. But in the midst of our regimented lives, we must always be ready for the opportunity to serve the Lord. I'm always looking for an open door. It might be at the store. It could be at the gas station. It could be with a neighbor. You know, I'm doing some landscaping at my house and, and, and at least I'm, I'm attempting to do landscaping. When you're doing landscaping with dirt, every time it rains, you're done for two days. You know? But anyway, but it's opened up many conversations with my other neighbors on landscaping. So I'm talking to multiple different neighbors and it's opening up doors. And one of the first things I tell my neighbors is, oh, by the way, I pastor the church, core church in Los Angeles on La Cienega. So I laid the groundwork coming out of the gate with every new neighbor I talk to that I'm a pastor. And I just, you know, I just kind of lay it out there. And then I start making, you know, just these little planting seeds about the Lord with the conversations I'm having with them. See, my desire is to plant many seeds with them. See, there's two different kinds of ways of witnessing, kind of two main types of ways of sharing your faith. Number one, 
is when you're sharing with a stranger. That means you're sharing with someone that you don't know. You run into them, you're in a parking lot, you're at the mall, you're just, you're somewhere. And, and you're just, you, that's probably the only time you're ever going to see that person in your life. So when I share with someone like that, you know, I make sure that I share everything I can with them and be a little more forceful with my sharing of Christ. When I say forceful, I just mean I want to get it all out. Because again, why? I'll probably never see that person again. But this other way that you share Christ is when you're sharing your faith. It's when you share with family members or neighbors or coworkers, you know, people that you see on an ongoing basis. So when you share with those kind of people, you can't just walk into work every day and drop the gospel bomb on people every single day. It doesn't work like that. So you have to just continue to plant little seeds, a little here and a little there. Then... What you're looking for is one day that God will open up the door that you can share more extensively with that person. And that's when you can really lay the gospel out to them. So in the meantime, I want to plant seeds. I want to water that curiosity that they might have for the things of the Lord. And the more that they open up and the more that I share with them, it's going to open a door one day where I can really present the gospel to someone who's got open ears. And I can tell them that, man, there's a God that created all things and he loves you. And he is able to forgive you of your sin. That is, if you're willing to repent and come and follow him. Understand, we as believers, you know, we all have to impact the culture that we live in. God has called us to impact our culture. Sleep in the light and be awake in the dark in this year. Yes, especially we don't want to be in any kind of a spiritual sleep. You know, there's a fairy tale, and it's about this guy named Rip Van Winkle. It's a true story. No, just kidding. It's a fairy tale. But he said, it said that he laid down to take a nap, and he woke up 20 years later. Okay, now that's like a serious nap, okay? But I wonder if that isn't any different for some Christians who have not ever really embrace their faith to the point that they share their faith with those that are around them. I wonder if some have been spiritually asleep maybe in the year 2022 and never really took any opportunities to share your faith with those that are around us. I mean, how horrible it would be for a Christian, you know, to wake up from a long spiritual nap and realize that they wasted and squandered their life. You know, it's always shocking when someone dies and you don't expect them to die. You know, I don't know if you're into cars and all of this kind of stuff, but there's a guy named Ken Block that, you know, is, does all this crazy stuff with cars and drives crazy and does all these things running, racing through cities. He did a big video one of one here in Los Angeles. He does them all over the world. And he died in a snowmobile, a freak snowmobile accident. I mean, this guy is like, like he's just the man's man and, you know, cool guy and all of this stuff. And me and my son have watched his videos, Jim Connor, they call him, and all of these things. He's got like millions of hits on YouTube and all of this. And it's like, well, he's no longer. And it's just like my son texted me. I'm like, ah, oh. and you just think, like, I wish I could have shared Christ with him. Because there was no appearance in his life from watching his videos that he was a believer. 
I mean, who knows? Only God knows. But it's just like, ah, you know, it's like, oh, my goodness. It's like you never know when someone is not going to be here anymore. What about that football player with the Bills that just collapsed on a football field? They said that he woke up, but, you know, uh, I watched the play. He tackles a guy, gets up like, yes, I just tackled. And then just, boom, collapsed. He just went into cardiac arrest. And, wow, that was a big deal. And he's woke up now, so we'll see where that goes. But they didn't think, you know, they didn't know if he was going to make it or not. The point is, you just never know about life. I mean, life can be here one day and gone the next for someone. And think about all the people that are in your sphere of life. Are they in a place where they know that they know that they're going to go to heaven? Because most people don't know that. And that's why it's up to us not to squander the gift that God's given to us to share our faith. Yeah, it'd be a sad day if we walk into heaven and we only had... Uh, the same impact that Sleeping Beauty had when she slept for a hundred years, okay? And what kind of impact did Sleeping Beauty have in that hundred years? Well, nothing, because she was asleep the whole time. So sleep is good, as you know, and being busy is good, as long as there's balance to both of those. And those who are too busy could burn out, and those who sleep too much can waste their life away. And for those of you that have had a hard time getting out of bed every day, you know, uh, I was reading about this new clock that they have. It's called the bacon clock, okay? So when it goes off in the morning, you set it to whatever time. So you set it to 6 o'clock and everything. And when it goes off, it, it has a sound of crackling bacon being cooked. And then it throws out the scent of bacon. God, it's like I'm thinking like that is cruel and unusual punishment, Could you imagine waking up to this, hearing bacon being cooked and smelling it and then getting up and there's nothing. You got nothing. Okay. Nothing. I remember when me and my wife first got married, it was like the most glorious thing. Uh, I had to get back to work. So we got married on a Sunday. I took Monday off. I ended up working on a car all day because it wasn't working. So it wasn't your greatest day after being married. But anyway, I had to get back to work on Tuesday. Well, I got up on Tuesday morning to crackling bacon. I was smelling it. The next day, bacon. The next day, sausage. Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Every day, my wife's up at like 4.30 in the morning because I got up at like 5. She's making me eggs and bacon sausage. I'm just like, I should got married back in kindergarten. This is the greatest thing that ever happened. And then the next Monday came around and it's like my alarm's going off. My wife's next to me. I'm like, are you going to make me breakfast? She's like, no. <laughs> I'm like, I was back to cereal. Okay. But hey, I had four days of glory. I just want to point that out. It was a good four days. But anyway, just like we can get to uh, too much physical sleep, we can also get too much spiritual sleep. That's why when we go into a new year, it's always good to make sure that we wake up our spiritual man or our spiritual woman inside or maybe stir our heart a little bit because it's easy to become spiritually sleepy, especially when we consider how busy life can be here in Los Angeles. You know, we cannot go from one day to another without considering our real purpose as believers. And what is that exactly? It's that God called us to be a vessel that's ready to speak of his glories. 
Yes, we must never forget that Christianity was never meant to be a spectator sport. For God never called us to sit on the sidelines of life and simply watch the world go by as it continues to spin out of control. Yes, God has always desired his people, those of us who are called by his name, to awake from our slumber, you know, and get up. And be ready to minister to those who are lost and lonely. Yes, and to be part of what God wants to do in this world. You know, we're going to take a look at the book of Ephesians here for just a moment. And we will consider three points in light of our title, Time to Wake Up. Number one, imitating God. God makes no bones about it through his word. He wants us to be just like him. He wants us to imitate who he is and his character. Number two, not being deceived. God warns us, don't be deceived. Don't fall prey to the lies that are out there in this world. And number three, awakened from sleep. Yes, we are to be spiritually awake. So let's look at our first point here, the imitation of God. Let's read here in Ephesians chapter five, picking up in verse one, it says, therefore, Be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love just as Christ also loved you and gave himself up for us as an offering and a sacrifice to God as a fragrant aroma. But do not let immorality or any impurity or greed even be named among you as is proper among saints. And there must be no filthiness or silly talk or coarse jesting, which are not fitting, but rather giving of thanks. Well, we'll stop there just for a moment. Now, notice we are called as Christians right out of the gate in chapter 5, verse 1, to be imitators of God. Now, that word imitators is from the Greek word mimetis, and it's where we get our English word to mimic. We are to mimic God. We are to to be actually acting just the way that he acts. It's to imitate. It's to act in the very same way. So understand, those who have rejected Christ as their Savior, those who are not believers in Jesus, you know, they're not called to do this. God's not calling the non-believer to imitate him. He's not calling the non-believer to do any of that. They can do whatever they want to do. They can choose to live in any sin that they desire to live in. But in the end, the Bible says that they will stand before God and be judged for everything that they've done, whether it's good or bad. But if we, you and me, are professing Christians, if we know Christ is our Savior, we've asked Jesus into our heart as our Savior and Lord, then our sins have been forgiven. And we have the promise of eternal life in heaven. Yet in this life, on this side of heaven, God has called us to be an imitator of him. He says, I want you to mimic me. I want people to look at you and actually see a little piece of me in you. That's what God has asked us to do. We're called to bear his likeness. We are called to emulate his characteristics in our own lives. Yes, people should be able to look at our actions and see a little piece of God in us. I wonder if that's true 
in our lives. Yes, I understand that we fail and we fall short at times. Yes, I mean, there's times that we can lose our temper. There's times that we don't react good to something. There's times that we react really bad to something. So there's going to be those times, absolutely, because none of us are perfect. But those times should be less and less as we continue to grow and mature in our faith in Christ. They shouldn't be more and more. So if you have a particular attitude or something that's always coming out, it seems to be getting worse and worse, there's a problem with that. You, know, you really got to take that to the Lord. You got you to work on that because, because those things are becoming less and less as we continue to follow the Lord. There should also be a willingness to let his light shine in and through us to this dark world. Understand, this has always been God's desire for humanity. Consider what God spoke to Moses back in Leviticus chapter 18, verse 2. Let me read it to you. He says, speak to the sons of Israel, God's saying to Moses, and say to them, I am the Lord your God, and you shall not do what is done in the land of Egypt. Like, remember he delivered them out of Egypt? I don't want you to live the way the Egyptians lived is what he's saying there. Nor are you to do what is done in the land of Canaan where I'm bringing you. So I brought you out of Egypt. I don't want you to live like those people. I'm bringing you into the land of Canaan. I don't want you to live like those people. He says, you shall not walk in their statutes. You are to perform my judgments. You're to keep my statutes to live in accord with them. I am the Lord, your God. So he says, look, I don't want you to be like those people. And I don't want you to be like these people. I want you to be like me. I want you to walk with me. So you, all of us, you know, some of you are uh, homegrown Angelinos here. You were born in Los Angeles, but many of you, like myself, have been transplanted here. I lived in Riverside for multiple years. I grew up in Ontario, so I wasn't too far from here. My grandma lived in Santa Monica the whole time I was growing up, and so I was down here all the time. But I'm still, you know, I'm coming from another city and living in Los Angeles now. You know, so God is saying, look, I don't want you to be like the people in Riverside or Ontario, and I don't want you to be like the people in Los Angeles. I want you to be like me, is what he's telling me. And it's the same thing with you. Wherever you came from, maybe you came from another country. I don't want you to live like them, and I don't want you to live like the people in Los Angeles. I want you to live like me. It's what sets us apart as Christians. It's what sets us apart. This is why you can go anywhere in the world, and if you hook up with another true Christian, you have immediate bond of relationship. Immediate. Because why? It's because you're living as an imitator of the same God. And you have that in common with one another. See, Egypt was always representative of the world in the Bible. And God made it very clear that we are to live not as this world lives. We're not to act the way that the people in this world act. Again, why? For our lifestyle, the way that we act and live is what separates us from this world. It's what empowers our message. Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount, in Matthew 5, 48, he says, you are to be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect. It's like, uh, okay, how do I do that? To be perfect? The Bible also says in 1 Peter 1.14, he says, 
As obedient children, do not be conformed to your former lusts, which are yours in your ignorance, but like the Holy One that called you, be holy yourselves also in all of your behavior. Because it is written from God, you shall be holy, for I am holy. He's probably quoting what God was telling Moses back in Leviticus. But you shall be holy, for I am holy. God says, I want to make you a whole new people, a brand new people, a set apart people. So when people see you, it's like, okay, so there's something different about you. You're not like everyone else. And when I worked in construction for many years, uh, it's like people would say, okay, what is with you? Because I wasn't the guy with the potty mouth. I wasn't the guy telling dirty jokes. I was the guy that was honest and had integrity and walking upright. And they'd just be like, hey, well, you know, well, something's different about you. That's right. It's Christ in me. It's not me. That's why I've told people many times, and I've told you many times, hey, if you see something really cool in me, like, oh, Pastor Steve, that was a killer message, or this was really cool that you did, it's like, well, thank Jesus for that, because that's his work in my life. Now, on the other hand, if you're following me on the freeway and I'm cutting somebody off or something like that, or maybe exceeding the speed limit slightly, okay, well, that's me. It's a little stinky, okay, that's me, okay, but the, the side of me that the Lord is transforming, man, it's like that can bring glory and honor to him and it can open doors. I've been ministering to this one guy that works in, uh, in the you know, construction field and uh, I took him out to lunch. We've been, you know, I took him to in and out and, and I'm just, you know, I'm just like, have you come to this place where you know Christ? And so, you know, he, he's a good guy and, and, you know, he has a good, uh, you know, like kind of a, integrity filled guy but yet i know that he hasn't fully asked christ in his heart so i'm spending time and ministry it takes time to walk someone through the process and it's like sometimes people just give their life to christ like that and other times you know people have to they have questions and they those questions need to be answered but we need to have that open dialogue with them so they can ask their questions yes You know, God has created us in his image. We have not evolved from from animals. We're not some type of a hybrid form of of an animal. We have been created in the very likeness of God. Some might ask, well, how can I be obedient to the point of perfection? Be holy as as God is holy? How How can that even happen? I'm a sinner. You know, living amongst of people that are full of sin. My life is a constant struggle, you might say. Yet that verse that Peter wrote down in 1 Peter 1.14, that should be a humongous encouragement to each and every one of us. And you might say, well, why? You know, when he said, be holy yourselves also in all your behavior, like, how is that encouraging to me? Because it was Peter, the one that wrote it. I mean, think about that. Peter was a guy just like you and me. Peter crashed and burned a few times. Peter like fell off the trucks. I mean, he went, you know, AWOL a couple of times. I mean, Peter failed big time. Peter had flaws. Peter was flamboyant at times. Peter was impetuous. He had a unique ability to put his foot in his mouth. He always seemed to say the wrong thing at the wrong time. He had a bad case of hoof and mouth disease, you could say. 
because he was always just saying something that was wrong. But, but think about it. When the Holy Spirit of God spoke directly to Peter, man, God, he used him mightily. So we should be able to look at that where Peter's writing, we should be holy like he's holy and say, well, there must be hope for me because there was hope for Peter. Man, Peter became that transformed man. It didn't happen overnight. It took a while for it to happen. But that process works in every one of our lives. Yes, even though most of us would never have picked Peter as a disciple, I mean, with all of his flaws that he had, Jesus picked him as a disciple. Now, why would Jesus pick someone that we would look at and say, uh, not him, oh, not, not that guy, but Jesus picked him. Why? Because Jesus saw what nobody else could have ever seen. He saw Peter as the finished product, filled with the power of the Holy Spirit, led by the Holy Spirit, and obedient to the Holy Spirit. It just takes us all a little bit of time to get there. But if you're a believer in Christ, guess what? He saw the same thing in you. Please join us next time for part two of this study titled, Time to Wake Up. Thanks for joining us for Core Truth Radio. You've been listening to pastor and Bible teacher Steve Wilburn of Core Church Los Angeles. If you'd like to hear more messages by Pastor Steve, download the Core Church Los Angeles free app available on iOS and Android. Core Church is sponsored by and a listener-supported outreach of Core Church LA. If you have been blessed by this program, consider supporting our radio ministry by texting Core Church LA to 77977. You can also give via our app and online at corechurchla.org. And remember, there's a God in heaven who loves you. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.